right, we're going to talk about temptation today, folks. We're in lesson lesson three. We're going to talk about temptation. Uh, let us be honest. How many of you have problems with temptation? Well, I'm not asking you what your temptations are. I'm just saying, yeah, they're a problem in my life. If your hand isn't raised, you're dead. I mean, you're not breathing. Yeah, I mean, you are, you are giving in to the temptation of lying. Because the reality is, folks, for all of us, every single one of us deals with temptation. Now, and in fact, the Bible says uh, there is no temptation taken to man except that which is common to man. Now, every one of us deals with temptations, but every one of us responds to temptations differently. Does everybody understand me? Every one of us deals with temptations, but every one of us responds differently because what might tempt me may not tempt Brad. Do you understand what I'm saying? And what might tempt Bruce may not tempt me. Okay, so for instance, I am not tempted by chocolate. That, that, that doesn't, I mean, unless I'm really hungry, I, that doesn't even, I'm not even looking at a chocolate. But some of you ladies had this look on your face like, I would be. Yeah, okay, I, we understand that. That's your temptation. But I am tempted by meat and potatoes. Do you know what I'm saying? A good, good roast beef, you know, good turkey dinner. I am tempted by meat. Do you know what I'm saying? I am not tempted by sugary stuff necessarily, unless it's vanilla bean ice cream. So, you know, do, do you know, do you, do you know what I mean? So, temptation is something that we are, we're all dealing with in our life. And, and, and here's the thing about temptation. You and I can be defeated by it because, in particular, if you and I continue to give in to the same temptations, it can be the most nerve-wracking thing for you as a believer. Do you know what I mean? And here, let me, let me just back up a minute, okay? In our churches, and we're going to talk about this maybe a little bit later when we talk about our disappointment with church. In our churches, we can have a tendency of uh, judging others, and in particular judging others who maybe struggle with an addiction issue of some type. Maybe it's alcohol, maybe it's drugs, maybe it's food, or something else. But the reality is that their addiction is them giving into the, the, the temptation and, and developing a pattern of where they just give in to the temptation. Do you understand? And, and their issue of drugs may be no different than your issue of chocolate. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? Because what can happen is, is that the temptations can control you and speak to you and manipulate you and you give in to them. Does everybody understand what I'm talking about now? Temptations are... Their control over you is what you allow them, but we all struggle with them, every single one of us. And, you know, it's, we've just got to be so careful that we don't immediately label people and say, well, you know, they're a loser. Can't deal with that. Blah, blah, blah. And then if they examine your life and they'll say, oh, I see you have a preponderance to Cheetos. 
The crunchy type. Do, do, do you know what I mean? You, you don't even buy the Walmart $1 bag. You go for the $3 and some bag. Because you like Cheetos. Do, do, you know, do you, know what I'm, you know what I'm saying? So you have your temptations, and you have your responses to them, and you can give in to them. And we're going to talk about that today. We're going to talk about what does James, because we're talking about where the rubber meets the road, what does James tell us about temptation? So look with me, first of all, at verse 13. Listen to what James says. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. Here's the first thing I want you to see. James tells us that no one can say they are tempted by God. You say, well, I don't, I don't necessarily say that. Well, listen, if you're in the midst of a struggle, and if you're in the midst of temptation, and you're in the midst of constantly giving in to temptation, you can de- develop a mindset where you want to blame shift. And, and instead of recognizing that you're the one who's in control and you're the one who's giving in, you blame shift. And so you can actually find yourself saying things like this. God, why did you let this happen to me? You know i got a weakness in this area. Folks, that's the same thing as saying that you're tempted by God. When you say, God, why did you let this happen to me? It's the same thing as saying... You are tempted by God. Here, I'm going to be, let's be right up. James is letting us know right off the bat that God is not the one who is tempting you. Do you understand what I'm saying? God is not the one who is tempting you. Okay? So, let, 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 let me... Uh, who wants to volunteer a, a, a somewhat funny temptation to you? Who, who wants to give me... You know, maybe it is chocolate. Anybody got a temptation? Everybody's sick of me talking about cheeseburgers, so what's your temptation? Sweet tea. Yeah, Steve? Pizza, okay? Now, let's say, let's say we have pizza. Let's say we have, how many of you like brothers? Okay, all right. Nathalie's and Dubois, okay. Let's say we have an extra large, what's your toppings, bro? Pepperoni, extra cheese? Okay, well, we'll, for my sake, we'll put extra cheese on it, okay? All right? And it's up here, and and you can smell it, okay? How many of you would be tempted by that? A, A better question would be, how many of you would not be tempted by that? Two people, okay, all right, okay. So we'll keep our pizza thing for you, okay? And we'll show you what we're talking about. Alright? Here's what we're saying. We cannot ignore our responsibility when facing temptation. The issue with temptation isn't that God is the one who tempted you or God is the one who allowed it to happen to you so that you could be defeated. The issue is, is when we talk about temptation, it's about you. Because, okay, we just talked about this extra large pepperoni pizza up here with uh, pep, you know with extra cheese and uh, I'd say about 
All of you but two people in here said you would be tempted by that. So we've got to get two or three now, okay? Huh? All right, we'll put bacon on it. Okay, all right. Okay, now how many of you don't want it now because it has bacon on it? Okay, all right, okay. All right, so we've added a few more people. Now, you see what I'm saying? Before, it was a temptation to you. Why was it a temptation to you? Anybody? Those of you who raised your hand, who could tell me why would that be a temptation to you, Phil? Okay, something that your flesh is yearning for, okay? It's there. So what does that mean? It tastes good, and, and you want to taste it. Okay, you can smell it. Okay. <laughs> and you live near Dubois, so guess where you're heading after the service. Okay. Okay. All right. So everybody understand. So what is it about it that tempts you? Now the people who aren't tempted, why aren't you why why aren't you interested in it? I don't like bacon. Huh? She doesn't eat pork. Okay, you're tempted because you gave yourself to it at some point. That's good. Good Jim. Okay. Now look, we can't ignore our responsibility. It is you who wants it. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? It is you who wants it. All right, so here's the nature of God. So we have to understand the very nature of God dictates that he cannot be tempted by sin. The very nature of God is is that he personally cannot be tempted by sin. So you have to understand something. When we're talking about God, you can't go and say, Oh, God, why would you let this happen? He's not going to tempt you because he personally can't be tempted by it. He personally can't be tempted by sin. So therefore, God in his purity does not tempt others to sin. We've got to correct our thinking. Sometimes we get the wrong attitude and the wrong ideas about God and we think that he's putting us in these situations where we're just doomed to fail. Well, we'll talk about that in a moment, about what God does. Okay, but what I want you to see is is that he is pure, without sin, holy, and he sure isn't going to tempt other people to sin. Now let's look at our personal responsibility. Look with me at verse 14. Because this is where the pizza comes in. Okay? But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Okay? He's drawn away by his own desires desires, and enticed. Here's what I want you to see. Temptation emerges out of our own corrupt desires. We're saying, well, my desires aren't corrupt. Yeah, you are. If you're a human being, your desires are corrupt. Okay, let's go, let's go back to our pizza here. This extra large pizza with pepperoni, extra cheese, and bacon on it from some place in Dubois, okay? I'm sorry, this is Steve's Pizza. Okay, we're not, I mean, if he, if he wants onions, we'll put onions on it, but we're not putting, okay, Steve doesn't like onions, okay, there it is, okay, you bring your own onions, okay, all right, so anyhow, we got the pizza here, all right, now, and, and it's like, like Bruce said, he can already smell it, I mean, all you've got to do is see it, how many of you have been like that, you don't even have to get close to it, and you can imagine, your body starts imagining what it smells like. Some of you can even taste it. 
How many of you can taste it? Okay? Yeah, you can taste it. Okay? And it's too bad Pizza Hut doesn't have that buffet anymore because I know where y'all be heading after church, okay? So, anyhow, so you, you, what's going on here is, is that your own desires are, man, I didn't have good breakfast this morning. And, boy, I think I could eat that pizza or a piece of that pizza. Hope nobody else wants it. You know, those are the things that enter into our mind. And you're enticed. Now, does anybody understand what enticed means? Huh? How many of you are trappers? We got, we got, Danny, when you, when, you, when you set a trap, do you just leave the trap there and don't put anything in it and just hope they come by? Now, what do you put in it? Yeah, scent or lure, because you're wanting to what? Entice them in. Some of you guys, when you go out bow hunting, you're spraying on stuff, first of all, to take away your own scent, but some of you are putting on stuff. You know, eau de dough or something. You know what I'm saying? You know, dough number five, Chanel version. You know what I'm saying? Because you're trying to attract what? A buck, right? And, And all to entice him into your what? Your trap. Okay, your trap happens to be that compound bow or a rifle. So this is what's happening when we have temptation. It, it emerges out of our own corrupt desires. And listen, here's what goes on. Our desires serve as bait for the trap of temptation. Your desires, you wanting that, serves as bait for the temptation. Do you understand what I'm saying? It serves as bait. And, 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 and your desires can develop a whole framework of thinking. You know, you can develop a whole framework of thinking in the moment and think, you know what? This brings me happiness. This brings me satisfaction. This brings me peace. Do you understand what I'm saying? Have you, you notice, I don't re- look at the Food Channel much, but I have a friend that does, and he talked about that there was a show on comfort foods. Why, why, okay, why would you do that? But, uh, what, but what are comfort foods? Foods that what? Bring you comfort. How many of you like to eat chocolate after you're stressed out? Just be honest. You're like, oh man, a Snickers bar right here, you know? You don't like those. Okay. All right. You're not tempted by that. Okay. But onions on your pizza, you are. Okay. Okay. All right. Okay. No stinky fish either. Okay. All right. All right. So, now, James is going to list for us the progression of how t- what happens in temptation. He's going to, we're going to go through it slowly, but it happens a lot quicker than what we're going to read here. But there is a progression. So I want you to notice with me. Look at verse 15. When desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Okay, here's what I want you to see. All temptation starts out with our personal desires. All temptation starts out with our personal desires. 
It starts out with you. Have you ever gotten angry at somebody? Because, you know, you're, you're trying to go on the diet, you're trying to do the diet thing, and, 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 and then they're like, hey, let's go out, hey, Jordan, I'll meet you at McDonald's. Oh, and if you're blame shifting, you're like, what does he want to, doesn't he understand that I, probably not because you're not telling anybody, you know, or whatever, or somebody brings over, invites you over, and they cook your favorite meal, and you're angry, with, why'd you make that food, or do you know better? It's blame shifting. Okay, let's call it what it is. It's blame shifting. But the problem is, is temptation doesn't start with them. Nobody's sitting in a back room saying, okay, this week, let's see, how are we going to pick on Sam this week? Oh. Anybody have any idea what his temptation is? Oh, I know. Okay, we're going to do that this week. We're going to make him stumble. There's no back room meetings going on with human beings. Might be on a demonic level, but, but not with human beings. And, but the reality is is that you are going to be tempted, no matter where you are, no matter what the circumstances are. Why are you going to be tempted? Because it comes out of your own desires. It comes out of what you're wrestling with. It comes out of your own corruptness of your own heart. Does everybody understand me? It comes out of the corruptness of your own heart. So it starts out with your personal desires. Here's the other thing I want you to see. When we seek to satisfy our personal desires, sin is born in our lives. So, it starts out with my desire. Now, let me just stop for a moment. The desire is not necessarily wrong. Let me just go ahead and tell you that right now. The desire is not necessarily wrong. You may want to write that down in your margin. The problem comes in is when you make an active decision to do something about it. The problem comes in when you make an active decision to do something about it, and so when you seek to satisfy that desire, sin results. Does everybody understand me? All right, let me just tell you this real quick, and I'll, I'll try to explain this a little bit so that everybody understands. Does everybody understand that not every thought comes from you? Write that down. Not every thought that you have comes from you. I want you to understand that. We also know that Satan is also known as the what? Well, he's not just a deceiver, but he's also a what? He's called the what? The tempter. Okay, now I want you to listen to me. So not every thought comes from you, and his role is, is that he's a tempter. Now, here's the other thing I want you to understand about Satan. Satan is a student of you. You may want to write that one down. Satan is a student of you. He knows you. He knows what makes you tick. He knows what you desire. He's been observing humanity for thousands of years. So it's not like you're some kind of new thing on the block that he hasn't figured out yet, okay? He knows who you are, and all he's got to do is just spend a little bit of time with you, and he knows what your desires are. You don't even have to communicate them. He can do it by observation. So what he does is, is when he figures out what it is that is going on in your life, he, all he needs to do is tempt you, and he can place the thought in your mind, the desire in your mind, 
without you even thinking about it. So, again, the desire is not necessarily sin. It is when you act upon the desire. Do you understand what I'm saying? It is when you act upon the desire. Now, let me just stop for a moment. This is why the Bible tells you over and over in the New Testament that, for instance, the Apostle Paul will say that I need to bring every thought into captivity to Jesus Christ. I need to renew my mind. Because if I bring every thought into captivity, what am I going to do then with those desires that come up? I'm going to put them where they belong, right? I'm going to deal with them in the way they should be dealt with. Because once I act upon the desire and I seek to satisfy my own personal desires, sin is born in our lives. Sin results. Now, here's the other thing. Oh, here it is. After sin, there's another problem. The result of sin in our lives is always death. Well, some of you are saying, well, wait a minute, George. uh, I just ran up here and took a piece of... I mean, I was tempted by... By uh, by Steve's Pizza up here, and I just kind of when nobody else was looking, I grabbed half of it and ate it real quick. Could have done without the bacon, but I just loved the smell, so I just gave into it. Uh, I didn't die. I didn't drop dead on the platform right by the pizza. What's this stuff about it being? Resulting in death. Well, let me just stop for a moment. It results in death in several ways. Number one, it results in death in a spiritual sense. It will ultimately result in death in a physical sense because all sin leads to our physical death, period. But it can also result in death in other ways. What do you mean, George? Well, it can result in death relationally it can result in relational death. So that guy runs up here, he grabs half of the pizza, it's Steve's Pizza, it's even got a sign right here that says, Steve's Pizza. He's, got, he's grabbing half of it, he's woofing it down, Steve comes by. How do you think he's feeling about somebody eating half of his pizza? How are you feeling about it, Steve? Okay. <laughs> Okay, somebody you don't like. Okay, you'd be pretty upset. Okay. All right, so you'd be upset because, and so now there's a relational death that takes place. Do you understand? It's pizza. It's worth it. But what if it's alcohol, drugs, pornography? What if it's Gluttony. Do you understand what I'm saying? Now it becomes what? Serious, doesn't it? What if it's mismanagement of finances? Because maybe what your temptation is, is you can't handle going to Walmart and walking by the sales rack and and not buying anything. Do you know know what I mean? And I've been pastoring a long time now. I've, I've seen couples suffer... Uh, because of one spouse or the other not knowing how to spend money. Do, do, do you understand what I'm saying? That, and, that, and, and you would say to him, well, it was just a temptation. It was just giving to my desires. Well, yeah, it resulted in sin, but it also results in what, folks? Death. 
It results in what? A relational death. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? So, you know, yeah, it might be pizza, but for the guy who's struggling with, with weight issue, eating half a pizza, that's going to result in death. Yeah, it might just be pizza. But see, here's the thing, Bruce. That's probably because it's not that big of a temptation for you. Yeah, I understand. A lot of us could. But it's not like you're eating half a pizza every day. So... It's not like that's where the, the enemy comes and says, Hey, Bruce, over at Fox's is this new style of pizza. Come check it out. You know what I'm saying? Wing pizza. Oh, there is a new pizza. Okay. All right. That's because Debbie works at Fox's. Okay, that's how he knows that. Okay. Oh, it's good pizza. Okay. I guess everybody is heading to Dubois, either to Steve's joint or to uh, where... Uh, to foxes. Okay. The term full-grown suggests the sin has become controlling. When you look at that scripture there, and it says when it is full-grown, when it gives birth, when sin is full-grown, that means that that sin, that giving in to that particular temptation, has become controlling for you. Okay, I'm going to just stop for a moment, because I need to make this point want everyone here to grasp what I'm about to say. So let me articulate my words. No one here can say that they're okay in this area. Because all of you have some issue of sin that you're dealing with. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's the reoccurring nightmare in your life. For some, it might be an alcohol or a drug addiction. But for you, it might be another issue. Theirs, we can, we can say, oh, well, you know, I, blah, blah, blah. you know, just have an attitude towards them because theirs is visible. What's it in your life? That's invisible. Did you understand what I'm saying? Nobody here, myself included, can say... Uh, let me just stop for a moment. You know, We'll talk about abuse in churches later in, in the message. Okay, But the reality is nobody here can place themselves up on a platform and say, Hey, I'm doing okay. You can't. Did you understand what I'm saying? To do that would be a... You are a hypocrite then. You are not acknowledging the true fact in your life. Their temptation may be prescription drugs. But what is it for you? And, and let's recognize, we've got to own our responsibility for our own sins because we're the ones who what? Desire to fulfill them. We're the ones who gave in to them. We're the ones who are feeding the monster. Do you understand what I'm saying? We're the ones who are feeding the monster. So, in fact, this is the point that he wants to make here. James warns us not to be deceived concerning our personal responsibility. James is warning every one of you, don't deceive yourself. This is verse 16. Don't deceive yourself. 
You've got a personal responsibility in this. And, and here's how we do this. Because we'll be like, well, you know, yeah, you know, uh, somebody who's into drugs or alcohol, you know, that's really bad. But my sin, it's, it's, it's you know, if you've got a Richter scale of where that is, it's like they're at the top of the scale. But I'm down here. Mine is manageable. Mine's okay. Well, here's the problem, folks. Here's the problem. You've got to understand this. You've got a problem in how you're looking at it. We judge sins based on a level of scale of severity and what we think is bad and what we think is okay. But have you noticed that scale changes? Have you noticed that? That changes. The problem is God doesn't see it the way we see it. All sin is what to him? Sin, worthy of death. It's a death penalty offense for any sin. Whether it's drugs or your little thing down here. Which, by the way, isn't little. It's a big thing. So let's put it, let's get into perspective. It's a big thing. So let's not look at it the way we look at it. Let's look at it the way God looks at it. It's all on the same plane. People who are giving in to their desires, giving in to temptation, and it's resulting in sin in their life, and it's resulting in death. Period. Relational, spiritual, physical. Death. And so he wants us, he warns us, don't you deceive yourself. Don't sit there and say, oh, well, you know, hey, I'm, I'm glad they're finally getting help. Oh, yeah, when are you going to get some help? You don't understand? He's saying, don't be deceived concerning your personal responsibility. Because here's the thing now. Is that a hand in the back for a question? Yes. Yes, okay, here, let me just stop for a moment. We're not just talking about an action, because lust is a sin. All right? The initial desire is not wrong. It's what you do with it. Okay, so like for years I heard people say this kind of stuff. Okay, it's guys. Ladies don't. I've never heard a lady ever say this. But I've always heard guys say this, okay? Nothing wrong with looking. It's like when you go into, go into a fine china shop. You just want to look at all of the different varieties and, and spectacular workmanship. There's nothing wrong with looking. Yeah, if you were totally devoid of understanding of the Bible, you're right. But the Bible says this. Jesus, Jesus says this. If you look in your heart at a woman with lust, you've committed adultery with her. Okay, so it's sin. So, I mean, yeah, there's temptation. It's what you do with it. But if you prolong that thought, you don't have control of your thoughts. If you prolong that thought and it leads into lust, it results in death. And let's just back up a moment. Well, what kind of death is that going to hurt there, big guy? Well, have you asked your wife what she thinks about you doing that? When, you're, when she's supposed to be the apple of your eye? I can almost guarantee you that in their heart of hearts, none of them likes it. And it's wrong. And so there's a relational death that's happening. 
Do you understand what I'm saying? Did you understand what I'm saying? I mean, that's, we're going to be real here, right? We're going to be a real church. Got to be real about it, right? We're talking about temptation. That's brutal reality. So yeah, the action doesn't have to be just a physical action. It could be a prolonging of thought. See, the initial desire is not necessarily wrong, but you know what you got? It's what you feed. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's what you feed. How many of you have ever, uh, you never were introduced to anything before, and then all of a sudden when you were introduced to it, now you have a desire for it. You know, you know what I'm saying? I usually liken it to that you are awakened to a new reality. So, so for instance, when I went to, when I spent the summer in Kenya, I was introduced to a meal there that uh, it's just a little flatbread called chapatis. Uh, the Africans got it from the East Indians, which would have been from the Indians or so. so. And it's a really good bread. And when, I mean, I never before I went there in '89, I never had any clue what a chapati was, but I know what it is now. And I, I'm a bread eater. I'm a I'm a meat and potato and a bread eater, and I love chapatis. Now, what has happened though is. You know, I've been removed from Africa now. I think the last time I was in Africa was in 1994 with Lori. And that's the last time I had a chapati. So I'm not feeding my... So it's not like I'm sitting around the house saying, Oh, Lori, when are you going to make another chapati for me? This flatbread. She's not doing it. So I'm not feeding that desire. It's what you feed with your desires. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's what you feed with your desires. So, okay, let's, let's get back to Steve for a moment here with our pizza, okay? So Steve's trying to get control of his pizza addiction. Should Steve start hanging out at Brothers or at Scotto's or Fox's? Or any of the other pizza joints in town? Is that where Steve needs to hang out if he's trying to get control of the pizza that controls him? No, he's going to stay. He's going to say, "Hey, we're going out for dinner tonight. Where are we going?" Uh, Kentucky. No, we can't go there. There's a pizza part in Kentucky Fried Chicken. Uh, we're going to Arby's. Now we're we're going to go somewhere where there's not pizza on the menu. And after a while. He can't control his desires. Do you understand what I'm saying? You can't control your desires. So you have a personal responsibility. Did I answer your question? Am I getting off on a big tangent? All right. Now, it's interesting how James ends this discussion of temptation. Because he discusses the character of God. He say, what in the world has that got to do with my temptations? Well, you're going to see something here in a moment. So look with me, verse 17 and 18. And we'll finish up here. Every good gift and perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of God that we might be the kind of first fruits of his creatures. The interesting thing is, is that when we are tempted, we, we enter into a mindset that says, you know how to bring happiness to your life. Do you understand? So for, for Steve, it's, it's a momentary happiness of having pizza, which he had four times this week. And it was only momentary. That's why he had it four times this week. All right? 
Here's the here's the one thing I want you to see now. When I understand the character of God, I understand this. That God is the source of every good gift in our lives. Let me just stop for a moment. God is the source of every good gift in our lives. Period. Here's the other thing you can see about God is this. His character is always steadfast and trustworthy. He's always going to be trustworthy and steadfast in how his approach is to you and how he deals with you. And the other thing I want you to see is this. He does not change on a whim. He's not fickle. Anybody met fickle people? I'm irritated by fickle people. I am irritated by fickle people. Why? Because you lay down plans and then they're, they're just kind of like, whenever the wind's blowing, you know, and then, oh, something better came up. Hey, I'm sorry. We're going to cancel out with you, you know. How many of you like that? Nobody likes that. God's not like that. He's not going to change on you in a minute. Oh, let's, let's just test the winds here. No, he's not going to do that with you. God does not change on a whim. But here's what I want you to see. God chooses to give us salvation through his word. God chooses to give us salvation through his word. He is the one who's going to truly satisfy you and bring fulfillment to your life. Because when we get into temptation, we think we're in control and that we can satisfy our own souls by a piece of pizza. Now think about how crazy that is. We think we can satisfy the gaping hole in our life with the smoke of a cigarette. With the next high. You know, so he chooses to give us salvation through his word. He did this so that we might become examples of his goodness. So rather than giving in to the temptation to satisfy our desires with what we think needs to be best, what's best is, listen to me, what's best is that we recognize that he is showing goodness to us and bringing us salvation through his word so that we could be the examples of God's goodness in our own lives. Do you understand what I'm saying? So that we could be an example of his goodness. Now my question is, what kind of example are you? And that's one that we all have to think about.